a world filled with fast-paced living and constant demands on the aging body, it's easy to forget some of the simplest yet most essential elements of our well-being, hydration and nutrients. As you know, when I'm not in the studio recording a podcast or in the gym or out in the scrub hunting, putting rounds downrange, I'm somewhere in the world on a security gig, putting in the hard yards, ending up on TikTok. So legends that get some, keep me advancing forward, Jocko Fuel Supplements. More specifically, I've been smashing the Jocko Hydrate Sachets, which helps me replenish my electrolytes and other critical vitamins while boosting energy and supporting recovery. Also, just like my kids, my appetite for veggies goes as far as hot chips from the kernel. However, every morning I'll mix a scoop of Jocko Greens, Jocko Creatine into water, which helps me supplement my lack of and delivers all the nutrients for better gut health, immune support, cognitive function, and physical performance. And not to mention, tastes bloody good. So head over to www.getsome.com.au and use the code Zero Limits all in caps for a discount. I'll leave you with this for the day. Hard work, clean fuel, stronger, faster, smarter, better. Let's go. It's time for the Zero Limits Podcast, hosted by Australian veterans. Chatting with high-charging humans with hectic stories from around the world. We'll give you the motivation to take on whatever life throws at you and the kick to complete any goal you set your mind to. Let's go. Today's Zero Limits podcast, I have a guest that is, um, this one's actually pretty cool. I've listened to, I think, three podcasts he's been on, and the story is incredible. Now, just a bit of a background, this guy um, grew up in uh, Nepal. And one of those big things in Nepal, especially for Nepalese uh, boys growing up, uh, you know, the the pinnacle of their life is to become a Gurkha. I've worked with Gurkhas in the past, especially in Iraq. And one thing I can say is these guys are absolutely fearless. They are just dedicated, driven, fearless and everything. So we'll definitely talk about this career. But just to turn it on a little bit, what he did, not only was he a Gurkha, he thought, you know what, um, he pretty much got pushed into it, but he become part of the British SAS, uh, part of 2-2 SAS. So we'll definitely talk about it, but uh, Krishna Taba, how you doing, mate? Good, mate. Namaste, everyone, and uh, uh, thank you, Matt, uh, for reaching out, and uh, it's been great privilege and honour to share, uh, <laughs> you know, what I've been very um, you know, close to my home and the Eastern philosophy or, you know, so we call Buddhist or Hindus or Samanism. So we grown up in Nepal and, uh, yeah, that, um, that makes who we are as a Gurkha and Nepalese and, uh, yeah. And it's been great honor. Thank you for having me here and very excited to share, you know, our kind of uh, more more than anything is, uh, you know, Nepalese philosophy in our lives and we see our lives in a battlefield. No, I appreciate it, mate. Really, I really appreciate you giving me your time. Now, just as I spoke about before, you know, you spent time as a Gurkha and then you moved into the British Special Forces side of things, which you spent, uh, you know, total of, you know, over 20 years within uh, both uh, services, which is absolutely incredible, which I think – four or five deployments to Afghanistan with two to Iraq as well. So we'll definitely talk about all those. 
Mate, before we do, let's get back to the younger days of growing up in Nepal. Now, one thing, you know, obviously for my listeners, you know, we, 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 most of us have grown up here in Australia. Uh, one of the podcasts I listen to, you know, you, you grew up in the mountains pretty much, you know, no electricity, no, you know, just bare minimum. So let's get back to those younger days, mate, and run us through this whole process before, you know, joining, uh, becoming a Gurkha. Yeah, I think, um, uh, obviously, asking those people who are aware, uh, Nepal is the only country yet uh, about 90% uh, population goes to the temple. And um, I've been especially grown up into the western part of Nepal, nearby the Annapurna Range. And uh, where I grown up, uh, actually I was born outside in a jungle because uh, of the uh, culture and traditional, we are not allowed to born in the mom's house and and the yeah and then since early age uh been pushed into the you know like traditional we call monk uh, in in Nepalese we call the pujari but in english is is translation as a monk and the yeah been grown up massively into the you know traditional culture waking up early morning cold shower you know like and worshiping temples and monastery. Um, but the uh, important thing is yet again, I lost my grandfather in Second World War. And uh, my father failed to join in the Gurkhas a uh, six year and I joined, failed to join in the British Gurkha. And uh, before I even born, uh, my parents had a dream, me joining the Gurkha. So, um, and I think, you know, in, in life, um, uh, being in a Nepalese boy, our blood is, is, is being a Gurkha, you know, is treated, uh, as one of the highly, uh, you know, prestigious job in Nepal and the, over the hundred years, uh, you know, we've been still serving in the British Gurkha, Indian Gurkha, Singapore Gurkha and the Nepalese Gurkha. So that is our kind of bloodline over the years. Um, yeah, even though, you know, we, uh, I kind of uh, particularly uh, grown up with the massively with the Buddhist and Hindu culture, but again, uh, joining the Gurkha is one of the biggest dream. Uh, not only my dream, you know, my parents' dream, my ancestor, you know, uh, heritage in terms of blood. Yeah, and uh, it is... Uh, a massively privileged and honor. And when I uh, finally joined the Gurkhas, after I failed the first time, I failed the first time to join in the Gurkha. And I thought I, uh, I grasped my parents' dream. I thought I, I'm, you know, weak and I couldn't achieve what I supposed to be doing my parents' dream. As a young boy, uh, the way we grown up is always, you know, whatever our parents put on put their eyes on, we wanted to help them and support them, that's culture and society in Nepal. Uh, after failing that first time, uh, uh, you know, like it's, it's hard, but at again, uh, you know what, I realized in life, uh, actually, by only feeling down and by realizing someone else's success, but the day I fell, I realized I passed because I monitor, I visualize myself. If the guys on the left and right, right 
pass to Gurkhas and I, I realized I can pass too. So the day I fell, I grabbed my bag and walked out from the British camp in Nepal and I put my eyes and my eyes and my head together like I'm going to walk hard. I'm going to walk so hard. There is no chance I'm going to fail when I come back. So um, that's probably the main lesson learned in, in life first straight away. And uh, maybe, you know, whatever people or situation seems failing is actually not failing as long as we have deep inside courage and determination within us, we can pick it up and dust it off and make our dream actually more stronger. Um, so yes, uh, yeah, it's been uh, since then. I was very happy. I thought I uh, achieved my parents' dream, make them happy, and uh, still uh, in Nepal, uh, I got five families, about twenty-six uh, members in a same house. I bought the place, whole families in the same house. You know, that's what you know. Our tribe, or we, we, we kind of serve to our parents, our ancestor, and our family. And it is a key fundamental for us. And I'm still very proud and very honored to serve. And obviously, like I say, you know, work with uh, Australian, uh, you know, army and, you know, uh, armed forces around the globe over the last uh, last so many years. And uh, thank you. Yeah, mate, that's absolutely incredible. So what I want to do, let's, let's, I just want to, I've got a couple of questions actually. So I want to go back to your schooling side of things. Now, again, here in the Western world, you know, schooling education is a big thing, uh, especially, you know, these days, um, you know, for yourself growing up as a young boy, how is schooling for you in, uh, in Nepal? In a way, so I had no school yet, you know, and uh, no, I don't have any uh, academic qualification. I was very fortunate and lucky so many ways, you know, when I joined in 1996, which is almost like 30 years ago. And uh, only uh, when the British uh, army Gurkhas come to selection, they only look at our uh, height, weight, and, uh, you know, how healthy we are. And they ask me to uh, one small question and oh, what is the, uh, uh, what is the name of the elephant? Uh, kids, you know, and that's the answer that it's more sort of, it's not the uh, intellectual question, but yeah. they're just looking at, can he, can he speak a word? And as long as he's strong and, uh, you know, pass the Gurkha selection, you know, after carrying the, you know, like a uh, basket on our back and run, run for the lives in a way. And so that's one of the, you know, like selection, as long as you pass the physical part and you got the mental attitude and aptitude and uh, then next thing is, you know, we don't really have to speak, I guess, you know, in the battlefield. So, yeah. And, and uh, so basically, yeah, actually no school uh, grown up uh, and I couldn't write my names and, you know, ABCD, uh, maybe year 12 or 13. And eventually um, I did went to the, you know, like for, you know, like just a normal village school, uh, you know, in, in the mountain. And had some, you know, like, you know, like basic understanding, the basic, but, you know, but not as, you know, there is no comparison in the Western, you know, like world. And I hardly, before I came to this Gurkha selection and I was speaking with some other, you know, like friends who is going to the Gurkha 
selection and they said like, oh, you need to at least know how to say your name in the English. And I remember still vividly like every night and my name is Chris Tapa. My name is Chris Tapa. You know, that's, that's, that's the kind of education I have and I still vividly remember. Wow. That's crazy. That's crazy. Now, what, what is the process again, mate, uh, on the Western world? We go to a recruiting station, we call a phone number, we go through a bit of a recruiting process. How does that work for that side of things? Yeah. So, um, uh, Obviously, I think there are slightly changes now. I'm not actually update after 30 years, but the way when I um, applied and joined the Gurkhas in 1995, 1996 was um, every, you know, like uh, like remote camp and uh, the local retire ex-Gurkha, uh, they will come before like a couple of months before and they will, you know, by verbal, they will say like, we're going to start the, first Gurkha phase in this area and anyone in this mountain area just have to turn up and they will just check like your height, weight, and, you know, like you can see one eyes closed, one eyes open. Can you pull, you know, like we didn't even know why they test us. Like, can you pull the <laughs> finger? I said like, yeah, we didn't even know. And they will test like that. And that's it. So first phase, first phase uh, is everyone gather the local uh, ex-retired Gurkhas get together, name together, and then they will just do the basic test and they will uh, do the physical, you know, like um, 12 time pull-ups. You ha- we have to do the pull- 12 time under uh, under chin pull-up and uh, t- 45 degree, uh, f- uh, you know, like upside down in the mountain. And you have to put the seat up in one minute, uh, uh, 25 times sit up. And that's pretty much it. And you're healthy and you're strong and you pass the first, once you pass that first phase, and they, what they call is like uh, from the, around the mountain, they will bring the one center kind of point and they say like those who pass on the first phase and then they will give the location and place and there where the retired retire Gurk officer will become. And like we will all about, I don't know, maybe thousand people come around around the mountain. We go there, then, the, then there will be a little bit more you know, like all the retired Gurkhas come up and they kind of do the meat selection from there. It's the same thing, but they will leave it more formalized. You know, like you will do the proper, you know, proper uh, uh, retired Gurkha medic coming. They will do the proper blood pressure, proper height check, you know, everything like more sort of official recorded. Yeah, he can, he's, he did to take your, uh, you know, like document of birth, uh, you are from the village, you got, you know, all these things, Ch- check it properly, documentation and all the physical and uh, medical. And once to do that, then what we call is the third and final selection. And they will normally, there's two uh, key uh, British MOD run uh, uh, camp. And it's actually the uh, all the uh, instructor, you know, like DS will flew from UK, all the serving soldier and everyone will go and final. This is almost like six months time. So you do the first phase, couple six of months. months and second. Yeah. Almost took six months to go to the final phase. And in that time, almost, I don't know, maybe about 30,000 applicants from all around Nepal, but maybe out of that, maybe 10,000 will go to the center selection. And and then you'd uh, in my time, I think we once you go to the center selection, then all the DS will fly from UK and, and officer and soldiers, and we go through everything, but more sort of you know 
more army way and then uh, they will do the proper running test, proper, uh, you know, like uh, medical test and proper through the, you know, like system. And last and final is the, what we call the docoris or, you know, like carrying the bucket on the back. And we often, not often, we grown up carrying our load on our forehead and we are not get used to of the, you know, backpack or rucksack. And then we just line up all of them, like about 20 to 30 uh people on the group and and because of the people we we have almost uh, they got a vacancy of 180 <coughs> sorry and out of you know like how many thousand people on the finest lakes and 180 will have only vacancy so you just run and then they will just one two three pass rest of them fail just if you are in top three you you kind of pass if not then you just pack your bag go back it's you know it's it's like uh, it's like life you know there is no no human factor you know there is no uh emotion and feeling either you 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 make it either you don't make it and yeah and it's uh, uh pretty tough on that for the young boy you know 17 18 years old to perform in these days and you know kind of do or die situation and yeah and that's pretty much once you finish the thing out of maybe but about thousand people, thousand boys will be past all the standard yet again. And the final call is from the you know like uh, OC of the of the selection. He will come and look at you and just touch like golden touch. And if he touch you, you will pass. If not, then it's just again no. Re- you know, just pack your back and go back. It's just tough, tough love, mate. Shit. And that's so you got about a thousand people, <laughs> thousand people lined up, and he's just he's only selected yeah. 180 out of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, how was yeah. how, how was the emotions for you guys? Where, where you just like you did because you didn't yeah, know, I, you did, did you know that yeah, that touch did, was yeah, the golden it, touch? Yeah, it, the, the, the worst thing is we didn't even know, you know, they will touch, <laughs> and then after the you know, after all going through, and then the the uh, instructor. Will corporal by that time will say right all the thoughts one go this side all the guys we have in thoughts go is this side they didn't say anything we don't even know we passed or fail it's just they you know like we don't even know what's going on and later on there's like those guys come here and this go to this hangar and this guy stay this hangar and then later on we didn't even know then you know like those guys who've been taught is pastor pastors past the girders. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's, I think it's the, uh, once you found out that, you know, that's the dream, you know, what boy, a uh, young boy from Nepal has done so many years of preparation. It's like lifetime preparation and it's like your parents and ancestor has that dream, you know, to be Gurkhas and look after your families and value. And uh, that's the probably one of the it's still i think i remember i still it to me to me is that's probably the most life-changing experience and the you know uh emotion i hold yet yeah what what happens with the rest of these guys do they just go back to the nepalese army yeah so i think they will do the same again i think uh i think the process will be they will obviously pack your bag go back i think they will then give uh, depend upon where, where they, they will give you the honest review, you know, like because of they might weak on, the, you know, a little bit on fitness or the character or some medical, if they think, and they will say, uh, you can come back next year or you can't come next year. And then the, the way in, in the Nepalese, uh, 
you know, communities or the young youngster is. And if you fail the British army, then they will try the Singapore police. And if they, if they can't, then they go to the Indian Gurkhas. It's still the massive, you know, it's about, I don't know, maybe about 60 to 100,000 uh, Nepalese so, uh, Gurkhas serve in India, Indian uh, force. So actually Indian defense forces depend on the Nepalese boys. So they go to India, you know, like pretty much 90% Gurkhas is based in India. And then if, if then last case is then they join the Nepalese Gurkha, you know, Nepalese got the about 80, 90,000, you know, like defense force, which is good there. And yeah, basically pretty much about, yeah, 90% and above boys from Nepal is being a Gurkhas, one shape or form, I guess. Mate, just, sorry, just for the listeners now, uh, you know, the Gurkhas date back to, you know, uh, 1800s working alongside obviously the British, uh, as you said, the Indian Army uh, in, in Singapore. You know, there's uh, Gurkhas based in Singapore, which is, uh, that's that's where my family comes from. My family is oh, awesome. all from Singapore. Now, oh. Yeah, and just, like again, just for the listeners, you know, the Gurkhas uh, for Australia, you know, they they fought in uh, Gallipoli, you know, of all places as well, and yeah, uh, massive history, massive history. Now, mate, um, so what happens? So you've you've passed the selection to become a Gurkha. You're finally a Gurkha. What's the process from here? Do you get posted uh, to a unit? Yeah, from that, uh, obviously, then I think we do the maybe three to after passing, then he. We still do maybe three or four months internal training in in Nepal. Purely, uh, I I I can understand now. By then, I didn't understand, but they will go to culture, you know, like culture and education is a main thing. Even for me, they start teaching, you know, like English in a basic form. So you know, like just the basic colloquial communication skills. And drills, you know, and they will teach you how to eat with knife, knife and fork, you know, and then what can you go outside, you know, what is expectation. So it's kind of, you know, start, you know, doing the in-country grief in a way. Yeah, we do that and do some basic training as well there. And after, I think, six, oh, I don't know, maybe four or five years training there, and we flew, they flew to the UK. Obviously, in here is the couple of training area. Uh, area, uh, you know, basic training now is a cat trick. Obviously, when I did it, I did the basic training in Aldersod, near Aldersod. And uh, as you know, it's about one year uh, basic training. And uh, after that, uh, obviously, you know, like normal army stuff. So we we had when you record training and um, we still have pure Gurkha regiment, which is infantry, Royal Gurkha Rifles. We have two uh, pure Gurkha rifles, and I was one. I I I choose the one Royal Gurkha rifles, but we still have the Gurkha engineers, Gurkha signals. You know, like you know, like Gurkha logistic, uh, Gurkha safes, and all the thing. And and yeah, and uh, then I I end up going to the um, Gurkha, Royal Gurkha rifles, which is one of the you know infantry. Uh, regimen and um yeah and i uh it's, it's been you know uh i loved it you know being a Gurkha's dream come true i was very i guess you know like like we all are very focused driven and uh I finished the recruit and i 
roughly saw about about five years with the Gurkha. And and one thing I realized is, you know, one day my OC called me in my office and it's like, you know, I was like shitting myself, right? <laughs> what the hell? Why why the OC called me? You know, especially for the Gurkhas, we you know, we normally if you something wrong, if you something, you know, like fucked up, then they will call and like give you the, you know, like, you know, all this, you know, like yeah. hard work. Yeah. And I was like, oh shit. And I was like, you know, like purple go kind of like, you know, drills and like normal to dress. And I slow to the OC and like, honest. and OC is like, oh, relax, Chris, don't worry. You know, like just sit down. I said like, oh, what the hell is going on here? Normally it's not going to be like that. And it's like, no, no, because the, uh, and the first thing he said like, oh, uh, did you hear about the uh, SAS? I said, like, of course, everyone heard about the SAS, you know, but I'm sure that none of the, um, none of the Gurkhas on the, from, especially from the infantry Royal Gurkha Rifles, no, none of them on there. And he said, like, oh, and uh, we are, we are, we are, we are planning to form the CO, we are planning to send the first trial uh, from the RGR. So, um, and you know, like uh, then you know, we we are we, you are one of those from the company. Then I said, like, oh, and um, then can you explain me more about the SAS? Then so I asked him question, and uh, he said, like, oh, Chris, you don't have to worry about that that much. All you have to worry is uh, just start running with the backpack in the breaking beacons, <laughs> and I start run around. I said, like. Okay, I think I can do that. You know, I can run. You know, like if that's what it is, then I I I can do that. So, yeah, that's the that's how I started the um, you know that the pretty uh, with with the start from the Gurkhas to the selection point. Um, but however, I think there I think we did choose about thirty thirty of us go on the trial. Um, uh, you know, from the Royal Gurkha Rifles. Uh, yeah, and the um, the I couldn't drive, you know, I couldn't speak proper English, and uh, they my uh, you know like Saz Major uh, tell me like thirty guys jumping in the Fortuner, uh, we're gonna drive to the Breakin Beacons, and we'll drop we'll drop you on the Monday morning, and we'll pick you up on the pickup, pick you guys on the Friday. That's the, you know, that's how I, I start, uh, you know, begin the journey, I guess, towards there. Um, but I think, if anything, I really like to share, uh, you know, like with the, with the Gurkhas, uh, with my very, you know, like about five to six years service, is that the, uh, but in, 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 in life, because if I if I didn't have the you know like my comrades or my you know even the officers and my seniors who who were uh, who were my future you know uh, decision mm. if I didn't have a good commander and good uh, sergeant major and my sergeant I think I wouldn't be uh, standing here you know today and uh, first thing I I I, I look back and I realize how important to have a mentor in our lives and a good mentor, you know, who can see beyond our ourselves, you know, than ability because we are just a young, 
uh, young soldier, you know, wanted to do good and wanted to work for the commander and wanted to give our life, you know, for, for our comrades and friends and also family, you know, you know, when back in home. But yet again, I think we need, uh, we need someone to see and uh, mentor us and pointing us to the right direction. And, and because one of the things I realized is when we became service, I think, or to serve being a soldier, and I had no duality within me, there's one thing myself is to serve and to fight and to save, you know, like whatever. The pop was a reason I grown up and I had a dream. So the always... Uh, I I learn from the Gurkhas and I learn learn from the comrades and the discipline and the, you know like dress and the manner and the devotion of our discipline and those are the key lesson I learn with the Gurkhas and then the, by commander I think the mentor who showed me the roots and the path which I couldn't see when I was young. No, definitely, mate. This definitely because uh, you know I was the same. I had no direction. Being young, a young boy, especially for yourself, as you said, you know, you flew from Nepal to the UK. Just back to that, how was the culture shock? Now you've gone from a a country that is, um, you know, I, I guess in a way quite poor compared to what the UK is, and obviously moving into technology. You know, the UK was a, a thriving city. How was that yeah. for you? You know, being a young boy as well, you know, obviously persuasion of girls and, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, thank you, Matt. I think that's a really good and deep question. And um, it is uh, uh, huge, in fact, you know, cultural shock. And the, you know, not only, you know, uh, that, but also the physical and emotional uh you know, acceptance and uh, and who we are and who we identify with uh, is um, uh, is always uh, come with the adaptation and challenge, and also come with the acceptance and who we are and expectation. Um, I think. Uh, but also, one thing I realize is the. Uh, um, is uh, they did the research actually uh, in over the you know like ten years campaign Afghanistan Iraq and 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 um, uh, they they found out Gurkhas obviously were the one of the most successful on the battleground and my my work last few years is that why you know why 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 we as Nepalese boys from mountain and, um, uh, you know, like yet again, go on the battlefield yet again, uh, you know, have a curry with, 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 with the, you know, list called Taliban or the bad people. So we see, and in the daytime, share the curry and go at nighttime and walk to, you know, battle together to survive, you know, and the, to me is that the, uh, what I realized with, Later on stage, you know, I working with uh, you know like psychology and then the, you know like meditation and and you know my resource is that uh, one of the biggest uh, factor 
for us to uh, adopt is to change, you know, how we adopt ourselves with the different situation and environment uh, is the how change, how can we adopt and changes our, our feeling and heart as well. And, uh, uh, and I, I actually found out Gurkhas were the proof, you know, Gurkhas were the proof of change, you know, from one extreme environment with no education yet again, come in completely different nature. Like we say, one of the most thriving, uh, country maybe in the world at the moment, and also be able to okay with that and adopt and not only ourselves, then we bringing our uh, families and in our kids and and to be adopt and that ability and understanding and the uh, go with that go with the flow i guess and the that only i think that come with the um understanding of of who we are but actually you know on this moment i like to share uh, a lot a lot of the people don't know what is the Gurkha mean. So the uh, Sanskrit word, Sanskrit word or the Nepalese word Gurkha. Go, go is a cow and Ka is a protector. It's a cow protector in a, a visible world. But in the um, and the spiritual or the Buddhist word, go is a sensation. You know the sense, the uh, the way we see, hear, feel, touch, and smell. Those all the sensation actually, Gurkha is the those who protect our sensation. Those who are able to see not outside but also inside. So that is actually the translation direct meaning from Nepalese to the to to the you know to the English. Yeah. I think that's the, you know, uh, that's what I, you know, like fascinating even for me to adopt change, not only what we see outside, but also see within ourselves and adopt the situation. And uh, that's maybe I say the Gurkha are the, you know, not many community or society or the, you know, a youngster can do and achieve that, I guess. Yeah, wow, that's that's incredible. Now, mate, as you said, uh, back to uh, the selection process for the SAS. Now, you've been put forward, you've done the training, um, now the selection process begins. And you said there was 30, about 30 Gurkhas. And this is the first trial of this uh, yeah. calibre for Gurkhas to get into the SAS. Yeah, it was the uh, first trial from Royal Gurkha Rifle Infantry Regiment and the uh, we were 30 of us. The you know, like I'm still surprised is that you know we I turn up on the selection and there's like about 380 candidate and we 30 of us and I still remember you know first day you know like 4 a.m. you know in break and beacons call in January and I look at everyone is giant you know like all the British you know like. Uh, you know, marine paras, you know, all the, you know, like round, you know, and I look up, oh my God, everyone looks like so strong. And <laughs> you still, I still look at them as like, oh, what, what the hell I'm doing here? You know, there's no hope. You know, there is no hope. And um, yeah, but I think 
but it's, it is, uh, uh, yeah, we uh, turn up and show up, you know, with, with whatever you've been told. I think uh, sometimes we overthinking all the, you know, like, you know, problem or thing. But I think what I managed to do it, did was every day turn up on time and turn up with the right kit and equipment. And, um, uh, you know, like obviously pretty much, I, I guess everyone is aware, I guess the um, selection in the, in, in Australia is pretty much same as well, you know, four or five different phases, uh, you know, like hill selection, um, um, and obviously trees, a jungle, and, you know, like OP surveillance driving and, and obviously paras and some, you know, language and, uh, and some, uh, you know, escape and evasion. So, um, uh, one of the greatest thing I realized with the selection is, um, you know, when we actually doing the tabbing, tabbing around and everyone's doing their best, everyone giving their hundred percent, but, you know, more than I think challenging with, with other or more than challenging with the, you know, like. Uh, environment, I think I realize this challenge within us and uh, it is the, you know, um, it is something has to come from within us. I think if we wanted to prove for the rest of the world or someone else, is we can't prove, you know, it's just too much. I think if something we are putting pressure within us, you know, and do your best, and uh, it's, it's probably the I, I learn, and one of the uh, tabbing, uh, I still remember is I couldn't put, uh, my, uh, feet, you know, and put a one step forward because so tired, you know, day and night, but I still remember grabbing my leg, you know, my thigh with the both arms and lifting in front of me one step and take a breath you know, and then just look up the sky and, and, oh, still, you know, there's still, there's hope, you know, and then I remember grabbing the other leg tie and put one step with the help of my arms. And, uh, I think if you, I think if we have that, because if I were challenged and watching other people and friends going past, then I would be just depressed and full of anxiety. And I'm just becoming, you know, uh, kind of, you know, useless in, in my own eyes. But I think rather than doing that, okay, I just tried to put one step myself. I will do my, I will do my best and give it a go. And that's probably the, you know, a lesson learned first days, uh, on, on my hill, hill selection days. How long was that whole selection process? So it's about one year. One year. Now, yeah, one year selection and the, I think they used to do the six month to one year and, you know, like the, that, the, the process goes and the, um, and, and a sec, obviously second, uh, a second, a second phase is a jungle in Brunei. And the, this is where, you know, like six weeks, you, you kind of live in a breathe and, and, uh, uh, one of the, uh, one of the biggest lessons I learned from there was, um, we had, um, I think about, uh, 180 out of 375 started, uh, 180 
past the first phase and went to the jungle in the in Brunei, Borneo. And uh, first briefing, we land about you know you can flew from UK land about three a.m. and the uh, f- straight after landing, the briefing was like, okay, put your pretty gear on, and we'll be start running you know five a.m. in the morning. And uh, the interesting was we flew. From UK, which is like freezing and bit cold, and in the in the Brunei, you know, like mm. plus forty degree, and like you land and mostly three a.m. Like first thing is like oh, two hours time you start running in the beach, and not only that, and uh, the briefing was oh, we got about hundred and eighty, uh, but we only take fifty of you. And then like, where is this going? Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, you know, just keep going and keep going and keep going. And yeah, this is the first day of, you know, of the, of the, you know, like, uh, jungle training school. And how did you find the, the shooting component for the selection process? Yeah. Very hard. Yeah. Yeah, It's very hard, man. I think it's, I think it's hard in that way. It's not the. You know, when when everything is fine, isn't it? When everything is good and you have good sleep and you got, you know, like hydration and, you know, uh, everything is healthy and I think it's easy. But I think a lot of the uh, uh, harder is that you, it's constant under pressure, you know, like you, you're not sleeping well, you're not eating well, and you are whole day navigation in a Borneo is one of the hardest thing I think I, I've done in my life. And um, even though I'm from Nepal, and this is the first, uh, you know, like for me when I went to jungle, I got this one. I'm a Gurkha, you know, I live in the jungle. And I was completely wrong, man. <laughs> like, what the hell is I'm doing here? 24 hours sweating. Um, and I'm, I'm sure I think, they, you know, like um, Australian guys will do very good because of the, you know, like humid and yeah. the thing. But, and yeah, and, uh, and I still remember, you know, like uh, on the, I think some of the shooting time, because you, you know, like the way they set up the range is like range after range after range after range after range. It's never ending. You finish, change and go. And the, uh, yet again, I think what makes me, uh, I think uh, I'm still there was that the, uh, what we call is the, you know, like a minor or major. If you do the major safety, uh, you know, like you basically pack a bag. And if you are the minor, I think 15 minor safety, then 15 of them is one one major, then you pack your bag as well. But the uh, important thing is, I think we, you know, like even when we're sleeping or even in nighttime, you just keep your memories going, you know, it's keep your uh, physical uh, you know, and then you visualization training going. You know, a lot of us will be like, oh, they all finish the training and, they, you know, like a kind of rest in the mind. But even though when you are sleeping, but I think we still have to keep ourselves reminding, you know, what are the key important fundamental of passing the selection. I think that's probably most important thing. If anything is takeaway, is like there is no rest. You know, there is no ever gonna be rest. Just kind of keep preparing your mind, and when come to the involvement of physical form, then I think even though if we you know like drizzle, if we have some cloudy vision, but if we are 
have a, you know, subconscious level is trained for, then I think still you don't even realize you're doing it, but I think you, your body will do it, I guess. That's, that's probably the, you know, a lesson learned uh, for, for me from the, from the shooting and jungle. But out of that whole process, I understand that you have that drive, that uh, drive within you. Was there any time where you were sitting there and you're like, I can't fucking do this. I'm, I'm done. Yeah, m- many times. Many, many times. Many, many times, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, um, um, it's, you know, you, the, the thing is there is, no, there, is no, there is no hope, you know, there is no faith because one of the – incident was uh we were uh we gave him tasks and time okay you got 12 hours you have to start here navigation and you need to finish here which is you got 12 hours so we started you know so many people and my god you look at the time it's 12 hour past not even halfway you know and straight away your mind is saying like shit i already failed you know i there is no way no matter what you do you can't make the time and obviously, on that process, I still remember, you know, like half of the guys give up because they say like, oh, it's 12 hours and it's already 15 hours, What's not even finishing quarter point. What's the point going up there? And half of them guys just give up, you know, like put the weapon on the side. We fail. Some we start crying. Some of you can enjoying. Some we start smoking. And I say like, you know, we fail, but I think... I still keep going and I'll keep going. I still go to the finishing point. And I, you know, that's what I feel. You get in your mind, it's like, yeah, all this real, there's no way. And I'm going to the finish and the DS is waiting and it's like, oh, well done, guys. There's only two of you made on the finishing line. And I'm like, oh, what the hell is going on? And they're like, okay, no one made it, made it on time anyway. So at least you two guys show up, you know, after 20 hours. Doesn't really matter. You go there. And and in the morning, and everyone line up. Oh, everyone fell, uh, but only two guys make made it to the finishing point because uh, we we gave you compensation. Now we tell you to twelve hours, but actually there is no time limit. I was like, wow, you know. I think the what plays, you know, like within us, our game, in not 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 no more someone else game. You know? I think that's why. Uh, if you have that, you know, uh, you know, like, okay, you know, but I will just finish my duty. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not here to judge myself. I'm here to do my best. And regardless, you know, pass or fail, it's just, you know, just a line or just someone put, but I think it's important for us to have that, you know, trust and hope and just kind of, okay, I'm failed, but. And I will just still keep going until I, you know, I'm not going to give up uh, with myself. I think that's one of the examples, I guess, I learned from the selection. Yeah, yeah. Finish your own tasks. What year was this? Uh, it was 0304, yeah. So 0304. So we're talking, you know, uh, uh, September 11th has already happened. Um, the war in Afghanistan's kicked off. Uh, 2003, the war in Iraq's kicked off. So I'm guessing yeah. the tempo and the the pressure on you guys to succeed is even higher because now, you know, uh, you know, moving into you getting badged, getting your beret, moving into a squadron, you're str- pretty much straight into the thick of it. There's no no rest period, straight into it. So just quickly, how was it once you got your beret? How was the the, the feeling? Oh. Uh, 
Oh man. And how was. many? Sorry, how many people are we talking? Yeah, so uh yeah, out of three hundred and seventy five we started. Twelve. 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 How many Gurkhas? Two. Just two Gurkhas, yep. Two just two Gurkhas, yeah. Um, wow. Yeah, it was you know yeah, I think that's that's why I think um uh one of the things I learned from the selection is uh how tough the human being are you know we 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 don't uh, explore ourselves you know um in in time obviously time has greatest you know time and sometimes log and situation always follows you but i think if you have a driven and thrive within us and the you know uh, have a you know hope and faith you know, either within us or for the God. I think this this is what I learned. Is we often um uh modern uh time we neither believe in God or Jesus Christ or the Buddha or some whatever beliefs, nor we believe in ourselves. I think when we hit the situation and time and you know time dark and you know low, I think we need something else to hook, you know, to bring us out from that deep and what what is that could be. I think for me it's uh for me it's my, you know, the way I grown up in Nepal with with the culture and society, bewaring ourselves, my love for the families and friends and my my grandfather is always bewind myself, you know, I think and then being a Gurkha and being a a legacy we had is that something always go beyond ourselves. Uh, that's the biggest lesson. And also other thing I realize is the, um, you know, how little we need to consume day-to-day basis in terms of food. And, and, and it's mind blowing, you know, one of the, one of the, you know, like, Enough. Uh, one of the weeks we were given only one loaf of bread. If we made the you know RB for twenty four hours, traveling for twenty five kilometer, thirty kilometer every night, and if we make in time, they will give you one loaf of bread. And yet again, I couldn't comprehend how the hell the energies come and you still keep going. And later on, I realized actually the food we intake is only 20% less energy our body needs. Our body can actually survive from the only the five key elements, you know, of the, of the energy what we need to be alive and to survive are, you know, like the water, air and fire and the space, which are the key fundamental 80% of more energy we come from outside. And I think these are the, uh, you know, like some of the fundamental important about lives and the driven and hope and faith we need to have in order to go beyond ourselves, I guess, from the selection and the test of resilience and discipline and courage, I guess. Yeah, right. Mate, um, so you get Beret, you're posted to a squadron. Uh, which squadron did you get posted to? I was A. A squadron, yeah. Yep. And yeah. Uh, obviously these guys have already, they're already in deployment, aren't they? All getting ready. Yeah, I think I was, uh, that was my, 
Uh, yeah, day one, week one, um, uh, welcome, and off we go, yeah, off we go to the, yeah. So, yeah, right, so, where, where did you go, where was the first first deployment? Yeah, first deployment was in uh, Afghanistan, yeah. And again, like, how was this for you? This is your first time deploying overseas, not just as a regular soldier, as the Special Air Service. Yeah, I think it was the, you know, it was the uh, fascinating time. It was the most demanding time. And I, uh, my one of my job was to, because I used to speak like, you know, nine different languages because of the girl, because, you know, we, we speak so many languages from that part of the world. And also had the, you know, like all the, uh, understanding of local culture. And yeah, I was uh, one of the first to establish the, you know, uh, uh, SF team in Afghanistan. And yeah, that was the, you know, uh, that was the moment, you know, in that time, 0304. And um, uh, learn a lot, uh, you know, and and uh, it was the one of the, you know, Time, I guess, time on that on that time is that we were like even evolving as as in you know, a whole world is evolving into the so called you know battlefield and preparing ourselves and kit and equipment and buy them days to be honest we didn't have that much you know that, that by that time it was early days um, yeah but it was it was uh, you know it was one of the most uh, learning as well. I think I learned quite a lot because it was my first trip and learning the culture, you know, all this stuff. Just uh, just quickly, how was your reception into the SAS? How did they how did they receive you again, the first two Gurkhas to come into the SAS? How was that? Obviously, you passed all the training, so you're, you're on par yeah. with, with training and fitness, but different cultures coming into, you know, a predominantly white, um, you know, yeah. Squad uh, unit, yeah. No, to be honest, it was uh, it was a bit of a shock, uh, very big shock, especially for the for for the girl. Because uh, first thing was the first day I when I turned up and I went to the you know our our office on uh, troop week all the troop room and then my staffy by then was oh welcome to the you know a squadron and he said and I choose the I choose the mountain mountain troop and because I thought I'm from Nepal I you know I got I, I'm good at the mountain and um, he said oh um, do, have you been climbing before I said no and have you been uh, skiing before I said no what is ski I don't know <laughs> and then he said like oh do you do ice climbing I said no and it's like and he said like why the why the hell you choose a mountain troop and I said like oh Stuffy, because I was from Nepal. I think I'm, 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 I'm good at mountain, but actually, turn out I don't know nothing about the mountain. <laughs> yeah, so that was a big kind of eyes openings, and um, you know the greatest lesson was that the then we uh, and then uh, uh, over the you know like time, and we have to do the you know like. Group, uh, the our um, skills to become proper, you know, SAS mountain trooper. Then course, uh, then they send us on the course, and they, and and on the course it started. But the second thing 
when I turn up on the uh, in the Hereford and the Ashcorn was obviously in the Gurkhas, you know, we have, you know, proper timing, you know, dress and, you know, proper discipline and you know, inspection every day and, you know, as, as high as possible. And I passed and I went to the resume and I couldn't find my, I couldn't understand because there is, you know, no, there is no such thing as parade. There is no such thing as a dress. And um, first thing I realized is I used to go to the office and sit down from, you know, like 8 a.m. And then I didn't see anyone else coming in the office. And I was like, I couldn't put my head around what the hell is going on. And I kind of, you know, almost uh, kind of lost. And also other big uh, uh, sock was food. You know, in the in the mm. Nepalese, we always eat the Nepalese curry. And if we go to the Gurkha, then always eat, uh, you know, like Nepalese, you know, curry, like chicken curry or whatever, Nepalese food. Then when I went to the Hereford, there is no Nepalese food. Bacon and eggs. <laughs> yeah, bacon and eggs and beans. <laughs> and I couldn't understand this, this thing in my whole life. And I... I couldn't put my head around. People can actually survive eating the bacon <laughs> sauces and, you know, like sausage roll. So like, I can't eat this thing. I struggled too, and it's, I struggled quite a lot. So much struggle. I, you know, like after three, four months, I decided to, I almost gone back to this. Oh, shit. Yeah. It's just, you know, because it's the, it's, it's, it's nothing thing because it just so much suck on my culture and my, my, whole thing you know like food and i couldn't understand i am very almost like i could uh you know get on by the you know language at walking you know thing i i was non-alcoholic i was you know massively into the culture and very big on the you know like uh philosophy and things the western philosophy we don't drink and i had huge respect and the, you know, there is no Nepalese food and there is no parade. And I was bold, you know, like, I didn't even know what the hell is going on. And, um, but I was very lucky and my sergeant major, uh, in that time and my, you know, like commander staffy were so good. And straight after a couple of months, they put me on, on the side and, and, they didn't actually say to me anything, but they gave the briefing to the other guys, the British guys. So he's a Gurkha. He's one of the first in here. Your responsibility. If something happened to him, they counted for them. You know, it's not me. Which is I. I learned so much from this. You know, the comrades and the culture of the special forces. Next level, I think. And then, then, then after two months time, and I can see. You know, like all my. Uh, slicks and then all my guys are coming to me like they start dragging me out like let's go out you know let's go in the pine and make sure you go to the gym I never used to do the gym you know like I never be a big fan and they were like yeah you come on you know like I start then realizing actually there is a culture it's just me didn't understood yeah. you know then once the people people uh I've been told in the Gurkhas, uh, what time running, what time British, you know, what time you're wearing, what you're going to do, what you're going to eat. But in there is like so much grown-up culture. You don't, you are not told to do anything. You self-discipline. If you want to be good, 
So normal parade, I realize is from, you know, like from morning to 10, 11 a.m. It's your time. You're going to do sleep. You want to do run. You want to go gym. You want to swimming. No one's going to count, but it's just your thing. Then I start realizing that, oh, you know, that's everyone is in gym. You know, like everyone's doing some fees. Or go to the, you know, like coffee, have some coffee, you know, start making banter. And I was like, oh, oh yes, this is great. And I start, uh, I start, I start kind of into it. And after six months, then obviously my you know, appetite became good with the British food as well. <laughs> so, it's, yeah, it's huge, yeah, huge shock in so many ways. And yeah, this, this is how I started mine. And uh, yeah, it's been great. Yeah, yeah. Now we spoke about your, you know, your first deployment as, uh, you know, pretty much an interpreter in a way, uh, and yeah. then obviously setting up this uh, Afghan National Special Forces side of things. Subsequently, you go back to Afghanistan four or five more times, mate. How is it? Um, and you do two to Iraq as well. How are these deployments? You know, again, we're talking uh, SAS. We know that the these deployments are very kinetic. There's a lot of, the, you know, a lot of carnage, a lot of trauma, uh, death as well. Mate, how did you uh, cope with all that? Yeah, I think it is the two and it, it was my uh, milestone in my life, my career. And the, um, um, yeah, I think almost done about, you know, like you save um, a few many tours. And the, uh, one of the biggest lessons I learned and the over the, over the year is the, um, uh, you know, like we, um, when we, when we, uh, there is a saying, uh, there is a saying in, uh, in Nepali, if the mother and, and, uh, children's live in the peace, son have to go on the war. What that means is by only, you know, it's in, in, in life, uh, either outside or within us, there is always war is part of being alive and being a death. Even, even though we being alive is someone is someone and some, something is dying. We are consuming. That's part of life. Yet again, when we, uh, you know, uh, when, when we, uh, understand this thing and when we, uh, you know, understand the value of, uh, you know, leaving our families and friends and the, you know, which keep ourselves or our country or the friends or saves our families. I think this is the reason. And we, we go and we, we're ready to give our life for the country or the, you know, like pride or the love, whatever reason. Or the comrades, you know, who who are there in your by your side, ready to die, and this is the biggest lesson learned for me. And also, um, you know, one of the things I'm gonna talk about is uh, the uh, one of the tour I went there, and I was the number one. I was the scout, you know, going into the building, and I as I went to the building and I heard someone tapping on my shoulder and I look back and uh, yeah, he said, Chris, um, you, you have a, you have a family. Yeah. You step back and I'll go forward. And this is English SAS guy, you know? 
and and he gone inside and and he he died you know he shot dead and i still feel you know whatever we see in the world i think when come to the life and death when come to the moment and there is no color you know there is no race there is no caste you know there is no religions i think there is a soul and you have that trust you have that feeling for your comrades for your friends i think and still we have this you know tendency of people talking about and judging and you know like put it in the you know uh, um on our surface level and you know we we treat them like inhuman we treat them like judge them with the way they looks and the way they walk you know where they wear i think these are the thing only um uh exist when you don't see the true life and death situation i think by understanding the death by understanding aware who we are i think we can learn to respect each other i think we can learn to not the law not the man made law you know which is made a couple of hundred years ago we forget our humanity thousand years of you know dna the man we are to save our families and friend and give the peace for our families and country yet again i think it is so sad to hear that the i know we are even the you know everyone is driven by the law you know like 100 years old and we forget our soldiers and you know everyone talk about this you know uh you know support and law you know or the you know like for but we they never look at the you know we soldiers and we we warriors also the human being you know how can we look after the you know the man and woman who goes and give their blood and willing to die for the country and the friends who hold the country said yet again you know almost like forgotten i think uh and with with the way we are the way we looks and the way we behave i think it has to be something um which i learned through my experience and and the you know like bring there and um we we tend we we think everyone think everyone die apart from us but actually you know we are too you know we are also dying every moment and and i still feel that you know so many uh, friends and so many death because they give their life and we still alive and they gave the opportunity for us to be here alive i think we need to give the value i think we need to understand what why they gave their lives and then we sometimes take it for granted i think that's probably one of the biggest lessons learned and uh and i think we didn't we didn't we don't we don't we tend not to hear that humanity and for for our troops and for the guys who gave their time and life no exactly right mate and unfortunately these days it's a different world 
as you know, mate, it's just a, it's a, <laughs> it's, it's definitely not how we grew up. You know, it's a, yeah, I don't want to get into it because it's yeah. way too political. But, <laughs> mate, um, so you do your points to Afghanistan. Then uh, again, you do two deployments to Iraq as well. How was that? And what was the role? You know, the differences between the, the war in Afghanistan and obviously the war in Iraq for you or for you. Yeah, unit. I think, uh, yeah, I think the to me is the uh, uh, um, in in it's actually in Iraq. I I I I realized actually I I found my uh, you know my kind of uh, a warrior monk kind of thing because I have I think we all have been to the dark side of our lives uh, through the, our, you know, whatever time or the, you know, like war or death. And the, in terms of, um, you know, uh, in terms of, uh, you know, uh, the way we see is really doesn't really, situation is situation and it's never going to change. But I think even for me, um, uh, Iraq, uh, Iraq, Afghanistan, I when I was very young, I went as a tar. But Iraq, I was going as a you know second in command, uh, senior sergeant, and fully staffed, and had a huge role. But also, it was where my changing point in my life over the you know like few years by then, and the uh, you know actually I realized on on the mission on the target, whatever we see and whatever we. Uh, we perceive and uh, uh, perception and the the way we see is different. Everyone had their own way, and this is what I've uh, found actually. Um, my uh, I I start finding my you know like uh, spirituality, my traditional culture actually hit me quite hard on this time when I'm feeling very very dark, a moment in my life. Um, um, but the, um, yet again, you know, I think we, the, we, we, we have to have that, you know, legacy and we have to have, you know, uh, do our duty and responsibility with the trust and with, with the, you know, like comrades, with the friends who, who are there, uh, you know, like be one and giving off their life for us and the yeah i think the iraq, iraq being one of the uh one of the uh one of the you know life life changing moment for me in so many ways and which which you said Matt, you were there as well which which year you were there i i i worked there as a private contractor oh, okay yeah yeah so uh yeah 15 16 17 oh 15 16 17 yeah, yeah, yes. That, that's that. By by that, I was I was I wasn't there, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was was Iraq for you guys as just as kinetic to, as it was in Afghanistan? No, actually, um, uh, Iraq was because uh, I was there zero seven zero nine, very early states uh, yeah. on that time as well. But it was the um, lot more hands on the ground. Yeah, a lot more. We were. Um, I think, yeah, most of the days on the ground area yeah, was full on there. Yeah. Wow. 
That's crazy, mate. <laughs> now, again, over all these deployments, you know, you spoke about a time where, you know, someone took your spot in front of you and he was subsequently killed. Was there other times where obviously there were uh, soldiers killed or, you know, were there times where you're like, holy shit, that was close? Yeah, I think many, mate. Many, Multiple, yeah. Yeah, many, many deaths and the um, many, uh, many situations like that. I think one of the um, incidents I had gone through and seen is that the, you know, um, when you go over the target and you fast roping down to the, uh, on the, on the building and then you can hear, you know, like AK-47 bullet whizzing through your ear and, you know, you are, you, 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 your survival instinct will perceive the vibration through the year and, you know, your heart start pounding. And, you know, yet again, you know, one of the biggest lessons I learned is, uh, uh, my commander, you know, like the, my commander on that day is that the, he still lead from the front, you know, no matter. And he gave, he already gave up his life, but as a commander, he always in the front and no matter, you know, like bullet coming to you. And I see and I hear that vibration, but also you going towards the thing, everything from fast. And I still vividly remember everything slowed down. You know, when we, when it's the danger, then you are in the danger. I think then we became danger as well. I think once we became our danger and that's where our, uh, you know, Pretty much all the thought process are what I realized is slow down. And then you can, you know, like, it's like movie, you know, you start, you know, feel like dozing, you know, and everything slowed down. And yet again, and I see my, you know, commander still in the front leading. And I was like, man, you know, there's no going back here. And, and, um, and he, you know, uh, and, you know, I, I, I lost the two, two good friends of mine right and left you know still dropped it and the thing is um uh, i still remember you know those still those days that the you know how how tough human life is you know how tough and everything um goes down but there is always you know we 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 were trained to be you know dealing and we try to you know bring them conscious back you know we try to how hard their life is working to be alive and even though you know like your lungs is not working but heart is still working you know heart is still going yeah yeah man it's 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 the uh, moment moment to you know moment of remembering when and also realize what is life is and and life life's in in front and and that's what I actually realized and come back uh, and start going a lot of deep meditation, start learning, uh, start learning the, you know, like uh, massive Eastern philosophy and became a lot more, you know, why we, you know, why we have gone through this one. And yet again, you know, how can, you know, how can, um, how can we be still be a, you know, better, you know, I think as a, as a, as a boy, as a man, we are still striving to be, you know, do good 
for ourselves and for the community and for for the veteran i guess this is what i think you know helped me you know the my my growing up in himalayas with the culture and society and i start connecting with the nature and the ritual and you know like with the buddhism philosophy that's what helped me to overcome you know like incident and process within me yeah right yeah right now during your time um two two things the other gurkha that you uh got into the essays with how was he going he was he was loving it yeah man he's we 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 he's still loving it and yeah. uh yeah as the uh is is the you know it's is the moment but actually you know you don't realize you know in life what you uh what you what you capable of we are still a very good friend you know and and still uh you know see each other and you know it's it's a moment it's a moment to treasure and it's a moment to appreciate i guess and and, and gratitude actually one question i forgot to ask how is your family how did your family uh you know again going from gurkha to sas sas are the best you know best of the best yeah i was uh very fortunate man i i i married to the nepalese call uh but one thing um what i uh was very clear was I was so much career oriented and I was I was a soldier you know my life was a soldier and I declare um when I um when I went to the when I went to the Gurkhas and I said like I'm I'm I will be single and I will be full you know like serve but um uh when I went to the Hayford and i still didn't get married very late and because i knew that i think you know life is tough man you know we're busy and uh, sometimes it help us to have a clear vision and that's probably one thing you know i i kind of maybe did the right thing because i can see my friends and you know family struggling but i later on i once i i got married and i got one daughter now and um yeah and i think they are very happy and the uh one thing i what i was absolutely clear was when we when we get married before i get married i explain her you know everything you know i am i am in this job you know and life is not going to be easy and i will be not like you know my job because of job and this is my life my service i'm dedicated for that of course you know my love and compassion and you know feeling will all be there but still i I'm, i'm soldier first and i think i made that clear you know uh, before we get married i think that's probably the best thing i ever done in my life and then you know in then in then is there is no you know uh miscommunication later on yeah. the lives i think and yeah i think now we um i've been married uh her last uh 18 19 years and we've been together we have a beautiful daughter and uh, you know and then yeah we've been so so far touched with man yeah, everything yeah. everything goes well yeah yeah, yeah. that's good. that's good you found a nepalese woman because uh, the british women are crazy yeah <laughs> i know right <laughs> mate uh, another, just quickly as a, uh, just on that question you, your yeah. your father your father and your mother were they ecstatic to you know know that you're in the sas No man it's really no, not they didn't like it <laughs> no. no because the 
it's, 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 the, it's the education, isn't it? Yeah, because when I said them, I went to, uh, I, I told them, oh, I've been taxed to go and do the, you know, like BDSAS. And they were like, oh, what is that? Don't do it. Go back to Gurkha. <laughs> like, because Gurkha is the, you know, this is their, this is the culture. how, yeah, culture. And this is how driven, you know, in yeah. our society being a Gurkha is. And, and sometimes, you know, we have to make our own choice. You know, I, exactly. I realized, yeah, I know, I, even though I did it everything for my parents, I ready to give my life and did 100%. But at time come, and, you know, then we have to move on. And But my parents were not happy uh, when I said I'm going to the, you know, SAS. They said, like, it's just because it's not they are right or wrong. They didn't have knowledge. You know, they didn't have no information about what is this thing. That if they don't know, they don't know. And the, then I said, like, okay, no worries. I'm still in Caucasus. That's what, that's what they know. And then I actually served, you know, like more than half, you know, like almost seven, 18 years in the race. Yeah, that's, that's how it is. <laughs> yeah, right. And, and again, during your, your service in the SS, did you um, bump into more Gurkhas, you know, from the, from the Gurkha rifle regiments and give them, you know, like, this is where I am. This is what you can do. This is the, it, yeah. Yeah, it was, um, yeah, um, to be honest, uh, too much not. I think maybe because in that time, you know, you know, when I in there from zero three zero four to I think ten eleven was crazy. You know, like we were like never nonstop, full front. Not I can't remember. You know, then once we are on the you know like uh, rotation and like every single day like full front, full front. And I didn't actually have time to reflect. I was single, and I was just you know send me, you know, wherever send me and then I end up doing doing call or time and you know I had a great time, you know, enjoy a lot, work with, you know, like a lot of, you know, international force, learn a lot, explore. And the uh never, you know, like one of those things we uh, we never look back, isn't it? We ne- we ne- never look back because we always so much driven forward and forward and not really in touch with any uh, any community or the you know like Gurkhas until 11 12 but i think maybe once 11 12 then i start um obviously i became you know quite senior in the regiment then then yeah i start involving so basically the way it's involved was uh the uh Gurkha were doing the uh mount everest expedition in uh, 2000, uh, I think 2015, and they said, oh, none of the Gurkhas from Nepal, but none of the Gurkhas submitted Everest by then. And they said, like, they want to do the 200 years service and do by climbing the Everest. And the and then the, the none of the Gurkhas have a knowledge of climbing, and they, they're looking for an instructor to teach the Gurkhas go on Everest. And obviously, fortunately, I was in the right time, right place. I was obviously heavy food and I was a mountain guide, military mountain guide. I was very fortunate later on these days. I did the two years, you know, a specialist mountain course in uh, Germany. And uh, it happened to be common. My CEO by then was uh, sent me, uh, uh, called me and said like, oh, Chris, 
apparently there's Gurkhas wanted to do the Mount Everest and they need a teacher. And then what a good way you are Gurkhas and you can start speaking language and you are qualified international mountain guide as well. And I said, like, you know, then I realized, oh my God, this is the opportunity, isn't it? Yeah. If I take my aunt Gurkha friends, my soldiers, teach them how to climb and take them Everest. And I said, no, this is my dream. And CEO was very nice by then. And my sergeant major, like Chris, you have done so many, you know, tours now. Uh, you have done your time. We are happy if you wanted to lead the girl. Because, yeah, then, and then going back, uh, then I, you know, very connected with the girl and then really close with them. And well, ever since, you know, I still working with them. Uh, teach them. And so this is, you know, this is kind of my now kind of life, I guess. So you talk about obviously Everest. Um, you've you've reached multiple peaks on uh, different uh, features. How many times have you done Everest? I uh, saw me, uh, I, I led, I led Everest expedition four, four times. On four times? Yeah. So to I the, was to at, the summit? No, I actually submitted once. Yeah, submitted once, but I led the whole expedition for four times, and the I think two times I turned around above eight thousand meters just because you know like the safety Weather. and I have to yep. put make sure everything is right, everyone's good, and kind of leading and planning and all these things. So yeah, just on Everest, how hard is it? How hard is it to reach that summit? Comparing to what you've done in the SAS. Uh, I think phys- you know physically, mentally, uh, it's not tough. If I'm honest with you, uh, but what is tough is the decision making. You know, uh, I think doing the hard work and the uh, you know decision making when the other people hard work is probably the you know like very two different thing. I realize so you know like when. Uh, I think especially, you know, like any army, you know, armed forces or soldiers, you know, they got the attitude and, you know, like the physical ability to go and do it. But I think what I found even harder is that the group of men and, you know, like make a decision for their life and death, you know, because you have the responsibility you know, small weather change and if small avalanches, you know, they end up losing their life and you are making decision. And you look back so many times and am I doing the right thing? You know, am I making, you know, am I making a decision and someone going to die? Yeah. You know, it's not because of them, because of you. And I think, you know, that's probably the, you know, hardest, you know, we tend to teach, we tend to learn with the intellectual level to make and work hard with the mindset, but we don't know how to make that process within us. I think that's uh, man management and the, you know, like outside environment, which you have no control yet again, people look at you and, you know, make a decision on that is probably the hardest thing, I guess. Yeah. And I guess coming from the SAS, you know, that's, that's what it is. It's decision-making. And it's yeah. split, split. It can be split second, you know, which yeah. can cost cost you your life, or you, you know, the Absolutely. guy left or right side yeah. of you. So it's it's absolutely crazy. 
Yeah. Wow, mate, that's uh, that's interesting. So that's what you're uh, predominantly doing now. So, what, what? Sorry, what year did you get out of the SAS? I left the regular twenty twenty two. Yep. Oh, so only recent. Yeah, it's pretty recent, man. What and, rank uh, did you get to? I was a warrant officer. Warrant officer, so yeah, up yeah. there. There, there you go. <laughs> so you're, you're obviously in, in control of uh, troops. Yeah, pretty much. And actually, no, they. I've been I've been very fortunate, and I've been very lucky to serve. And I had, uh, you know, sometime um, I've been, you know, uh, giving the opportunity. You know, in the life, I I I I so much. You know, I said in life, if you are a good human, if you are a good, you know, Giza, a good block, I think you've been given more than what you deserve in our life. And yeah, I, I, I've been very fortunate and um, actually offer for the commission and as well. But, you know, I think life changes, isn't it, as we go and, you know, life families and business and your your milestone change. And I said, you know, I you know, I think maybe I, I voluntarily decided, I think I, I, I do my, you know, like this stuff, uh, working with the... Uh, you know, helping with the veterans and helping with, you know, like mental health, you know, how can we support, uh, support our veteran and community, you know, as much as they look after when they are in service, but how can we give, you know, something to do and something we still can support when they left as well. So that this is, this is my, you know, driven force at the moment. Just, just, Back to that commission side, I think you just didn't want to be an officer. Yeah. <laughs> no one wants to be yeah, an officer. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's absolutely, you are right, man. It's <laughs> like what I'm doing here, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's great, mate. So, yeah, it said you're working with uh, veterans now and uh, helping them to reach their goals. And, you know, one of those things is taking them to different summits or base camp and uh, multiple other things. Uh, obviously, PTSD has, yeah. uh, you know, especially post Iraq, Afghanistan. Um, we're slowly starting to understand what it is and obviously, tr- you know, for yourself and multiple operators, traumatic brain injuries, uh, again, they're all starting to understand that yeah. concussions and explosions yeah. c- can lead to a lot of uh, decline in mental health. So that's pretty much what you're doing now, yeah. Yes, full-time, full-time, Matt. I think at the moment, uh, you know what I realize in my life, you know, I'm here because someone gave their life for me. I'm almost like living the you know like someone else's lives, and I think for when we when we can, I think we need to look after, of course, ourselves and each other, and especially veteran. I think who who give so much for ourselves and for the comrades and for the country, and at least from what we can do. Because what I realized over the years is, uh, you know. I have that knowledge and experience and then maybe if I can share and help them to thrive, help them to achieve their goal, you know, and then I think it's uh, give them some purpose, you know, to work on. I think this is what we need. And this is definitely we lack, you know, definitely in this, you know, time everyone is around. And of course we still need to live and feed our families and things. But again, I think we can also give at least something, isn't it? For 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 the for the for our veteran community, I guess. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And just on that, mate, would are you going to do Everest again? Is that is that something planned? Because you might get some Australians over there to go do it. <laughs> yes, mate. So actually, you know, um, um, 
I've been yeah working with the uh, one war war blind uh, seven summit trip next year and working with the double two double amputees uh, you know guiding and uh, purely because I think you know uh, they need the most you know more than any anyone else and uh, I think they they come to me and I say like you know anything I can help you support you yeah so i'll be walking walking on everest uh, i will be coming to australia as well like you know one of those uh summit so yeah. we're putting out that uh, we will be coming there maybe next year we're planning for with i got one double amputee and one war blind so working with them very closely well, just just quickly mate that you said one guy is blind yeah and he's yeah right that's incredible yeah, man, it's the, you know, um, it's fascinating, man. What I, one of the thing I learned is the, um, they are so sensitive, you know, they, he can't see, but he can hear the pin drop. And every time we've been training now over the few months now, no matter how hard, you know, like train we go, he never trip, he never fall. I think one of the thing I'm learning as well is that, if he put his hands on our any part of our body and he walk in the back and by just putting his hand on our body, he will read the whole, you know, like muscle movement. And he's and he, every step he's bang on my every step is so perfect. It's like fascinating. But you know what, you know what, you know, he obviously he been uh he been two years deep. You know, PTSD, he doesn't want it to come out, you know, because obviously young boy, but now he, he come back to me like, I want to do something. I want to challenge. And I said like, you know, maybe, you know, you can do And he's like, yeah, we're working on that. And, uh, and yeah, it's been great and give me the purpose of life as well. You know, I think life is obviously uncertain, but, but at least when you are here, we, there's some, something we can thrive for, isn't it? Something we can give get back to the get back to give back to our community i guess yeah exactly exactly mate yeah definitely when you come to australia reach out we'll definitely we'll definitely catch up and you know i might even come and climb a mountain i'm not very good yeah, but uh, good, i'll, mate. I'll give it a try <laughs> mate uh we've been chatting for an hour and a bit now it's been absolutely incredible to hear your story and uh, obviously share it with my listeners here in australia and obviously around the world as well um, just to tie off the podcast, man, I've got a couple of final questions. Now, this first question, I think you've just answered it throughout the entire podcast. You've uh, given, you know, lessons learned, as you said, you know, everything has been a lesson learned. And I guess for the younger listeners out there, and I've got a lot of younger listeners, lessons learned. You're not going to know everything at 18, 19, 20, even up to, you know, the 30, mid 30s, you're still learning. You're going to be learning every single day for the rest of your life. Mate, uh, the first question is, what advice can you give to people just to keep on keeping on, complete any goal they set their mind to and just to crush it in life? Yes, I think uh, have a focus on it, you know, have some vision. And we need to have, a, you know, vision and we need to have a, you know, work on. And But at the end, don't afraid to change. You know, I think sometimes we stop with the one vision and they can't, they can't even change in my life. Obviously, for example, joining the Gurkha was the dream, not only mine, my parents, but at again, 
And once you achieve that, sometime, even though my parents say no, then I still evolve and go into the selection. Just because then that's the way, you know, once you have one goal, you work for like, you know, ass off, man. And But when you got the opportunity, when you see the right thing, believe yourself and make a move. You know, I think that's probably the best thing. Uh, have some goal, work for it, and opportunity come. Be genuine yourself and then and adopt according to. Yeah, and I guess just going back into the podcast, you know, there's two times where you spoke about just uh, keep on keeping on, you know, that time where you had to grab your leg and move it, literally move yeah. your left and right leg just to yeah. go forward. And then another time you spoke about was, you know, that navigation part where everyone didn't want to finish it because they knew they couldn't finish it within the time. But two of you yep. guys are like, you know what? It's my goal to finish this task regardless Absolutely. if it's in time or not. And you did. Yeah. So yeah. that's uh, – that. their lessons right there. Lessons learned right Ab- there. Absolutely, Matt. You're right. Yeah. Mate, uh, what is the plans for the future? Now, we spoke about it before. You're working with veterans. Uh, you run your own business. Uh, mate, talk, talk about this. Yeah, so I'm, my focus is purely mental health. I, I do do run quite a lot, you know, like meditation, especially for the mental health and PTSD. I do, uh, you know, run the uh, retreat, three, four days retreat in, in, in the UK, different parts. Uh, and uh, that's where I learn about the lifelong, about the uh, Eastern philosophy, the way I became who I am. And the lesson learned through my career of the, you know, SES career. And uh, so, and that's kind of when I'm UK, then when I, then my rest of time will go doing trip to the, you know, like Himalayas around the world, mostly with the disabilities, you know, people who are disabled, uh, veterans, PTSD, mental health, and the, you know, journey with the life and they start. Uh, involved in quite a lot of life coaching. So, uh, yeah, and yeah, so it's, I think, as you all know, that I think, you know, um, that's hence uh, someone call someone called me killer and healer. So, uh, you know, like, <laughs> it's like I learned, learned the life with a lot of death and by killing, but also realizing now I'm a different guy. I work with the, how can I support? And and realize with the Eastern philosophy and wisdom and who I am was a lesson learned with the philosophy of the Asia and Nepal and achieve the goal in our life and support the veteran as much as possible. Man, that's awesome. That's awesome. Now, uh, third question. Tell us something about you that people don't know, you know, a, a guilty obsession or something you do at home, you know, maybe your wife hates it, loves it, whatever. Um, I do, I do meditation every day, Yep. every day in the morning about, you know, like at least one or two hours early morning and evening uh, meditation. I think meditation and finding our own weakness and strength is probably the, um, enhancing thing in my life. And that's one thing a lot of people, you know, can't still believe. And next thing is, uh, I, uh, obviously I think you see my CV, but I, no one believe I actually skied quite, you know, skied from a thousand meter and, 
skid over the crevasses around the Himalayas. And uh, um, that's probably my, you know, most uh, passion and, you know, like not, not many people are aware of. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> just, just outside of those two, you know, you've got a chocolate craving or, you know, something, uh, you like eating bacon eggs only now? <laughs> oh, yeah, I, uh, I think uh, one thing, yeah, definitely love, you know, love, uh, I, I love the Momo. I don't know how many people know the food Momo is Nepalese dumpling. And uh, it's not many people know, but I think, yeah, this is probably the, my, you know, like kryptonite. Uh, weak, weak, weakness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. That's awesome, mate. Uh, two final questions, favorite movie or TV show. Now I'm sure now what I heard on another podcast is that you watched a lot of TV shows to learn English. So I'm sure you would have watched a lot of, uh, especially British, uh, you know, great movies or TV shows. You know what? Actually, uh, Sad to say, but I don't really watch, you yeah. know. Yeah, I don't watch any, uh, I haven't actually watched any movie yet, in a way. Um, early, early, early Gurkha's life, I was obviously massively into education. Learning the English is, was my driving force. And uh, I don't actually watch any movie or read any books, you know, like, but obviously mm. I spend a lot of time to, you know, be good at it, uh, what I do on the job and you just get on by. But uh, it's just maybe I never had that academic, you know, upbringing and it's still hard to read and write, if I'm honest with you. I, I, I can obviously get on speaking just because time is spent, but actually I don't really can write and read, if I'm honest with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, fair, fair. Mate, uh, final question. Um, actually, before you, you know, this this final question is, you know, what um, music or uh, artist you like listening to. Now, I understand that you're obviously heavy into, you like your music and your dance. You were going to join the band in the Gurkhas and then someone told you to pull your head in and join the infantry instead. Is that right? Yes, 100%, man. Yeah. 100% wrote that. Because uh, in 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 the Nepalese culture, singing and dancing like traditional tribal is the way of upbringing, you know, uh, singing, and that's the way. And and I, when I went to the Gurkhas, and and then they obviously, you know, like as the end selection, they will give you a choice, and they're like, oh, where are you gonna go, you know, like uh, Gurkha engineers, signal, or all the nine different regiment. I look at this, oh my God, I think I, I was growing up dancing and I think I can, I'll go and uh, join in the band, you know, I play the dog drums and all the guitar, everything. Yeah. And then my, the next thing is my, my uh, instructor put me on the side. It's like, Chris, what the hell is this? <laughs> like, <laughs> no, I thought I, I like dancing and singing. And when I, that's when I grew up in mountain. Like now, no, Chris, I wanted to change right now. And he gave me, he asked me, give the 30 push up, so giving the wrong selection. Like he did give it, get, get down, give the 30 push up. It's like, and like now you understand. Yes. Yes. Sir. Like go and change to the, to the, to the RGF. Yes, that's true, man. That's happened to me. That's crazy. Cause you know, that, that could have altered your, your career path or your life path. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, that's why I think. Yet again, you know, that's probably the, one of the examples, you know, uh, 
mentor and then other really good way of listening and learn is I think we need to ask for help when we need. And also there's always somewhere where someone actually need help we can offer them as well. I think that's probably the best thing I ever learned is ask for advice and help and don't afraid to give help or advice when other need as well. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And obviously you, your instructor could see the potential you had as a, you know, an infantry or a combat soldier rather than just playing a flute or a yeah, guitar. Ab- absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm guessing if you were a shit soldier, then he would be like, yeah, no worries, mate. Yeah. You can, <laughs> you, you, you can play the flute, yeah. stay there. Mate, yeah. Uh, yeah so in, in regards to that final question, music, what, what do you listen to? And I'm sure there's got to be some Western music out there you listen to. Maybe ACDC or yeah, Taylor Swift. Big, yeah. No, I actually, you know <laughs> what? You're right. That's one of the only live music I went with my wife and uh, a few years back. And yeah, um, I like that, you know, bit of a, you know, like loud and, you know, take me, take me, we take me out there, I guess. Yeah, e- exactly, mate. It's, it- you know, some of it, it becomes war music as well. You know, like yeah. you'd be sitting back in the base, listening to music, get yeah. ready for the job and then get out there and do the job. Mate, yeah. um, mate, this has been incredible. Incredible, again, just to hear your story and, uh, you know, a young Nepalese kid ending up in the SAS, you know, Tutu SAS is in multiple deployments, finishing as a warrant officer, now within that veteran space helping out veterans. It's incredible, mate. Uh, really, really inspiring. And hopefully your story uh, you know, reaches some of these ears that I've got and inspire someone to, you know, take it to the next level. Mate, uh, if people want to find you, where can they find you? You've got a website? Yes, uh, the website is uh, christhapa.com. And, you know, I think in all the medias, obviously, you, you are aware that Warrior Monk uh, is Instagram, Facebook, you know, like LinkedIn, and uh, yes, my aim is to reach out and to help our, you know, like those people who need the most, especially, uh, you know, like mental health is, you know, we uh, we need to uh, talk about and, you know, we need we need it most and especially the veteran community. And that's where my passion and, you know, drive for help each other when we can. No, awesome, mate. Uh, for the listeners, I'll tag in all your website and uh social media so if you want to reach out find him and mate, who knows he might take you to uh mount, Ev- uh, mount everest up to the summit yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mate, again really appreciate you giving me your time coming on the podcast and uh, sharing your story because it's been absolutely incredible mate we'll definitely stay in contact definitely stay in contact yeah thank you much and it's been absolute pleasure and uh yeah giving me this platform especially i think australia is probably my first you know reaching out and um, thank you Thanks, mate. Uh, We'll chat soon. Yeah, cheers, mate. Thank you. Have a great day, mate. Wait, wait, wait. Now, quickly, just before you go, I want to tell you about Three Zeros Coffee. As you know, I like my coffee how I like my men, long and black. (laughs) However, lately, I've moved into the cold brews. I'm loving it, obviously, because the weather here in Australia at the moment is quite hot. So what I've been doing is using the seasoned campaigner pour-over filter bags Literally rip open the packet, put the filter bag over my coffee mug, a few ice cubes, pour in some hot water, let it cool down, add a sugar or two just to make it sweet, and I fucking love them. Honestly, 
you get the kick that you need out of the caffeine and the taste is great. So if you want to get yourself a supply of coffee, head over to 30scoffee.com.au. From there, you can choose whatever you want. You've got the beans, you've got the pour over filter bags, got some merchandise. And just to let you know that a percentage of their sales is forwarded to organizations that support first responders. So while you're getting your coffee, you're doing a good deed by getting some of this money to the first responders and where it needs to go. While you're there, don't forget to use the discount code 3ZLIMITS. Now look in our buyer, you see that discount code, use it get your discounts. So again, jump onto 30scoffee.com.au and grab yourself a supply.